Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. All right, what's up, everybody out there? We are back for another edition of Why We Love. Yes. And so I got Jason and Nick in the house. What's up, guys? Hello, what's up? Welcome back. Yo. So glad to be back. I know it's been a few months. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good to have you guys, too. We're bummed Joseph wasn't able to make it today, um, but we'll get him on the next one for sure. Uh, Joseph and I actually, it's funny because uh, Joseph and I did the analysis of the Truman Show that came out. I heard and that so, one. yeah, so it's cool because Truman Show will probably come up in this conversation today and we could get your guys' thoughts on it as well since people, everybody's probably heard uh, me and Joseph's thoughts on it. But what are we talking about today? That is the question. Well, last month we did an episode called Why We Love Romances that I did with my wife, Tori. And we started this series that we're gonna be going through this year about genres, talking about what these genres are and why we resonate with them so much and how can we even look through our life, tell our life story through the lens of these different genres? Have you, Nick, have you heard of this book called The Screenwriter's Taxonomy? No. It's, it's a pretty recent book, but it's a very in-depth classification of genres. Cool. So this is kind of the way that it breaks it down. Tell me if, if, what you think of this approach, because this is the approach we're going to try to take on here. So... It starts off on the top. So if we think of this kind of like a uh, like a top to bottom chart. So at the top, you've got comedy and drama. Yeah. And they talk about how comedy and drama are less pure genres of themselves and they're more spectrums yeah. that any film, any novel, anything can fall under, right? I think I think those are the only two that there are is comedy tragedy. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then Ex everything is everything kind of that. funnels and umbrellas under them. You could pick anything. We just watched the menu. So how what what percentage yeah. of the menu is comedy and what percentage of it is drama, would you say? If you had to put so a number it, to that's it. That's an interesting one. I don't know how to go, put in percentages. It'll weave back and forth. It almost feels like you can't put that one in a category. Yeah. And, th and I think that's the point. Yeah. That's the point they're trying to make is that you can't classify anything as just a comedy or just a drama. Now, you could say there are things that lean more towards comedy or things that lead more towards drama. Thor Ragnarok is more comedic. Logan is more dramatic. Mm -hmm. But there's always... If you push hard enough, there's always some other genre that's there other than just comedy and other than just drama. So this is where he goes into what he calls macro genres or super genres, which is basically, I think there's 11 of them. But what we did last time with the romance is romance is like a bigger genre that you can pair a romance with a lot of different things. But how can you tell the difference between if something is a romance at its core or if it has romantic elements to it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what the cheat sheet of how you can tell these genres. And you might be thinking, why does that matter? Why does it even matter if we know what the genres are? And what I'll argue is that the way that we understand genres, actually, these are ways of understanding our own lives as well. So we talked about last time how the romance, for example, the core of the romance is a relationship of some sort. And it's that which you long for. Romance is about longing. It's about trying to 
have something that you feel will make you whole again. Now, normally we talk about that with a person, with a human being, but romances can also be with other things. They can be with ideas and concepts and uh, ways of life as well. And so we talk about how, what is our, li our life like if we view it as a romance? I think Wally has been, again, concreted as the best romance movie of all time, as I think about it. For, for you? Dude, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Like the love of life, the love of the earth. Yeah. Everything mm. around us. Yeah. Yeah. Now, see, now you're starting to see it, right? It's like, like the big picture. Do, there's the, big, there's a yeah. romance between Wally and Eve, and there's a romance between mankind and the earth they lived in. Yeah. The joy of living outside of uh, just the day-to-day. -day. Yeah. We made it too far into it already. Yeah. No, no, no. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Um, and that uh, that's a good bridge here because- Romance is dealing primarily about physical relationships. So I thought it would be the logical for the next episode, the next step in this series to be talking about metaphysical relationships, relationships with things that you can't see and touch, uh, but yet are valuable and necessary for life itself. Or this is actually one of the 50 smaller genres. Really? We'll see that it's something bigger than what we often give it credit for. Especially, it's harder to decipher as well because it tends to get lumped with so many other things. And that's what we call the metaphysical journey. So again, it's a counter to the romance, but it also bleeds into another series of genres that we're gonna talk about, which is this idea of journeys. So journeys manifest themselves in a few different genres. So science fiction, fantasy, action, the superhero genre. They, they all have the journey metaphor that they utilize in common. But what all those share is that those are journeys that are primarily focused on external conflict. The metaphysical, this is a unique one because it's primarily focused more on internal. So can I give you guys like a working definition here? Yeah. Um, and then we'll kind of start to give some examples and dive deeper into different things. Sounds good. So when I do my uh, Live a Meaningful Story program, one of the questions that I ask participants is, what genres would you view your life through? Um, if you could tell your story into a film and what genre, how would you do it, right? Because genre is a lot of how you tell a story. And so this one that's on here is basically the religious, philosophical, spiritual, uh, I just call it the metaphysical journey. And so how would you view your life story through this concept of the metaphysical journey? So here's the definition that I give. The metaphysical journey is a story that focuses primarily on the protagonist's experiencing some sort of awakening. If the romance focuses on our relationships with the physical, then the metaphysical journey focuses on our relationships with what's beyond the physical, with the abstracts of life, namely reality itself. While most stories focus primarily on external conflict, the metaphysical turns inward, where confronting external obstacles becomes the means towards achieving inward enlightenment and not the other way around. The main goal is for the character to achieve some sort of spiritual epiphany that alters the course of their life. These are the stories that speak to our connection with the divine, the ground of being, ultimate reality, God, and life itself. 
These are the stories that remind us that life is more than just what we see. They call us deeper into the deepest parts of ourselves as we mine the depths of the universe, searching for what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, and ultimately, what is real. So any thoughts on that explanation? I'm thinking about the movies that I have. Yeah, same. And I'm, I'm just ready, I think. Yeah, let's, ju- let's jump into that then. Well, we give these examples and for anyone who's listening at home and you're trying to see what, how do I know about this metaphysical journey? There's usually two questions you can kind of ask yourself because we can agree that almost every movie has some sort of inward journey or inward change that takes place, right? Mm -hmm. Just like almost every story has some sort of romance in it. Almost every story has a metaphysical journey of sort. But here's how you can tell if that's the primary genre. Number one is the primary conflict in the story external or internal. If it's primarily an internal conflict, you're probably looking at a metaphysical journey. And the second question is, is some sort of spiritual epiphany necessary, sought after, or achieved? So let, let's give some kind of categories and some different examples here. So one, one way that you could see a metaphysical journey played out is through a historical drama or an epic. You know, I'll give some examples and you guys can jump in with some as well. So adapting a Bible story is a very obvious start in talking about metaphysical journey. So um, Jason, you and I were talking earlier, you, you were watching Prince of Egypt for the first time, right? Yeah, unfortunately I didn't finish the whole thing. But um, I'm at the part where Moses speaks to God through the burning bush, and he's called to go back to Egypt. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, yes. right, right there. Yeah, that that's the metaphysical journey right yeah. there. Um, it's it's really focusing on that internal conflict with Moses, and even though there is an external conflict there. That's really the heart of the story there. Yeah. So, what did you think of the movie? As as, and I don't know, Nick, if you've seen it. No, I haven't. I thought, first of all, the, I don't, I don't know what to say, musical score. Yeah, this, I, I'm forgetting what my normal layman term would be for it. Yeah, the score, but the soundtrack. True, the sound, there we go, soundtrack. The soundtrack was amazing. Like, right off the yeah. bat, I was like, whoa, this is That's really Hans good. Zimmer for you. Without the earbuds, with the earbuds, it was really, really good. There's this internal struggle of who he is. Right. He's grown up his entire life as an Egyptian, as... Mm-hmm. The son of the Pharaoh as the prince, but he's one of the Hebrew people, one of the slaves. And then there's a moment where he's like, This father, tell me that this was this isn't real. And he said, Sometimes sacrifices had to be made. After all, they're just slaves. And mm-hmm. he's looking at him in disgust because he's one of those slaves. Right, right. And he he kills the guy by accident. He runs away. Uh I remember when he's first confronted with like there might be something different. Yeah. He's thinking, this is everything I wanted. This is everything I needed. And it's not that. And he runs away. Um, and the, the identity that he had is thrown away. And that's what I found. And we watched Groundhog Day. Uh, uh, we'll get to Groundhog uh, Day. We'll get there. We'll get there. That's well, a different category, uh, but we'll get there. Okay. What is that? 
that's more of like uh, like a slice of life where you're looking at somebody's life and kind of the mundane everyday things of it, and you're trying to find the meaning and the metaphysical journey within that. We'll get there though. That's a whole different category. It's a slice of life where but, a, a one man is forced to eat the same slice over and over, <laughs> and, over and over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah. But any adaptation you see of a Bible story is probably going to follow this. So if you haven't seen Prince of Egypt, I highly recommend it. It's probably my favorite adaptation of a Bible story in film. I mean, the animation's top notch. The at, voice acting is top notch. The, the score, as you mentioned, um, it's a good telling of Exodus, provides a lot of depth. Um, to an already great story. Yeah, so that that's one that I highly recommend. Yeah, fortunately, uh, I can't spoil it for you because I didn't finish it. So, yeah. Because we'll be finishing that together. Yeah, oh, heck yeah. Now, Nick, you've seen Ben-Hur, right? Um, clips in, in high school, but I have not seen that whole movie. No. So Ben-Hur is another example mm -hmm. that would fall under this where, you know, there's a lot of external conflict, but really um, what is the inward change that we see with, with Ben Hur, and I know you haven't seen it, but that's that's another good example there. Have you seen that chariot, the chariot race? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a it's a that's a journey for sure. Journey is the word I would use to describe that. Here's an interesting one to talk about in terms of historical dramas and epics. You know, we're all Christians here, so have have we all seen Passion of the Christ? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, ago, yeah. what are your thoughts on that film? I just remember how violent it was. I saw it, I think, when I was like 12. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, my gosh. Wow. What's attached to that movie is just its violence. I remember Satan looking like yeah. super androgynous and then also, and like hissing or doing some weird thing yeah. or like yelling and then Jesus getting beat. I don't remember yeah. a whole lot else. I but think I remember <laughs> Satan looking like the guy from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> Bogus or bogus, the same guy, the, the Grim uh -huh. Reaper. Yeah. That's what I remember Satan looking like. Oh, man. Christ. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah I, I don't remember too much. I, it was very artistic, I remember. My unpopular opinion is that I don't really, I don't really, I don't, it's weird to say I don't like it because the story of Christ is like the ultimate story. Yeah, but that's fine. But I, I feel like that telling of it actually takes away from the message of Jesus mm -hmm. himself and puts more emphasis on, and this is the Mel Gibson problem. Like mm -hmm. just him as a director, this is just, especially in the later half of his career, this is just kind of a problem he has, I think, where he gets into the spectacle of the violence and it takes, even Hacksaw Ridge has moments that yeah. distract from the story that's being told. So both those movies, the number one thing I remember is the violence. And so that's, that's kind of the problem, he right? his goal. Of, yeah. Of what he's trying to do. Yeah. But that that's, I think, the problem mm -hmm. is with passion is that that's what you walk away with. You don't walk away with, wow, Jesus. No. And that's my big issue with it. You walk away with, wow, look what wow. he went through. Yeah. Which, you know, it's uh, it, it has its place. Obviously, the suffering of Christ is terrible. But yeah, there's just there's just a lot of things about it I I don't really like. I think there's, I don't know. We'll see how The Chosen finishes off, right? We'll mm -hmm. see how many seasons it goes for and if it can really tell a compelling. But you've seen the the cho like you've seen the three seasons, yeah. yeah. So what do you think of that in terms of depicting this idea of the metaphysical journey? Well, I think it its focus on the disciples is something that I enjoy. Yeah. So we're all on this metaphysical journey and the more each of these characters get fleshed out, mm -hmm. the more we can kind of see ourselves 
and how they are with Jesus and they're still not understanding these things. Um, so I, I do enjoy that aspect of it a lot. That's, that's what I appreciate about it too, because with the metaphysical journey, a lot of Jesus movies and Jesus adaptations, they do the journey from Jesus's point of view, yeah. which is great. Jesus is the aspirational figure, the mm -hmm. aspirational hero. So it's interesting. I like when you see Jesus from a non-aspirational point of view. So like the disciples would be an example of that. Ben-Hur is an example of that because you know Jesus is in the film of Ben-Hur as a character, but you see the relationship of Jesus to a fellow, like to a human being that's flawed. That's interesting to so, me. So the... The depiction in the chosen wouldn't be the aspirational hero. It's the the cathartic cathartic for the disciples, yeah. right? To mm -hmm. show yeah. that. Oh, which absolutely. Is, which is a really unique way to experience the Bible. Which yeah, which is cool because um, or the it, biblical story because we all experience yeah. the Bible that way. But to watch the story of Jesus that from from that point of view, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sorry for explain cathartic again. So cathartic motivational. It just basically means that you have to learn to be good. Aspiration is like you have goodness already instilled in you, but mm. you're challenged and tested to hold on to that goodness, right? So that's Jesus. That's pre-Last Jedi Luke Skywalker. No, <laughs> that's no, Superman. no, no. You know? Hey, that's, Joe, I'm that's... just going to say, hey, Joe, I miss you for this moment. <laughs> oh, Joe wanted us to say something for him. His oh, message no. is uh, death to all muties. Mutant and proud till the uprising. No. Sounds sorry, more like Joe. Joseph's message there. Nope. But anyways, <laughs> so the cathartic motivational is more of the you have to learn. Okay. You have to learn that. You, that you have to go on that journey to to be good and to understand what that is for you. So one more that I'll give here for the historical drama epic. I think, Nick, we've, we might've talked about this film before. You've seen Silence, right? Yeah. Martin Scorsese's Silence. Yeah. So I don't think we've ever talked about it though, but what did, what did you think of that film? It's another one I'd have to definitely rewatch, but I remember the persecution that they experienced. Yeah. And that that is the thing that sticks to my mind, the per persecution, not the violence, necessarily but right. the trial of persecution see silence is as an example this metaphysical journey is interesting because there's a lot of external conflict mm -hmm. right with the missionaries and with the the people that the the japanese leadership that they're executing and and all that but when i watch that movie what i what I really focus on and what I walk away with is Andrew Garfield's existential crisis. You know, how his character is wrestling with the implications of his faith when it's tested to its absolute most limits. So what so what is this movie about? I haven't seen it. So it, it came out in 2016. It's got I mean it's a it's got Andrew Garfield Adam Driver and Liam oh. Neeson. Oh, that's yeah. a, that's no, an interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is way more. But there, it's based on the true story of these um, the, these Jesuit priests who become missionaries okay. to Japan, and it's it's in the the time where they're trying to really introduce Christianity to Japan. So we're like in the Middle Ages, um, like late Middle Ages, okay. and um, it's all about the the journey of faith the relationship between faith and doubt okay and testing 
your faith. It's an interesting metaphysical journey because it's not a journey of arriving to faith. It's the different, because Ben-Hur is all about a journey of how do you come to faith? This is a journey of- How do you keep it? How do you hold on to faith? Yes. So that's another aspect of the metaphysical journey as well. It doesn't, it might be like, I have something, how do I hold on to it? And of course, there's something about his faith that changes. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil anything else. But it's interesting because it, as, an, as someone who watches it, there's hard things you have to wrestle with if you imagine yourself in that place going through that. So those ethical challenges, right? Because there's a lot of those ethical dilemmas. Like one of them, Jason, for example, is um, for every day that you don't renounce Christ, we will kill people. Mm -hmm. We will, we will kill Christians. Wow. Uh, not, not, not their own either. They will kill their own, the Japanese, who, who have converted to Christianity. So it's a lot of those ethical dilemmas. Yeah, and then um, that puts it on you even, that burden, because you ask so yourself that, these questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's switch gears here a little bit. So there's, so to go on the opposite end of like the historical, more realistic side, Metaphysical journeys can also be embedded in other genres as well. And again, these are these are films where this is the primary thing. So um, I'm thinking of like like in anime. You guys got to check out um, Tale of Princess Kaguya and Weathering with You. Those are both really good anime metaphysical journeys. Okay. But a few that I wrote here. So have you guys ever seen that film Book of Eli? Mm -hmm. Yes, a while ago. But yeah, yes. I do know that one. Yeah. Well. So what what do you guys think of that one? I remember the action and the violence. Yeah, again. yeah. I remember um, it sticks. Yeah. I remember him opening the book and it's all in braille and he's just yells. And How would that be? Everything. Oh, Gary Oldman. Yeah. Oh, he's great in that film. So where? So where are you classifying the Book of Eli then? So I would say it is. It's a. It's an interesting metaphysical journey because even though the conflict seems to be primary, primarily external. So you've got Denzel Washington's character. Is his name actually Eli? Is that actually the character's name? It's been a while so. since I've seen I it. I think so. I would say yes. Okay. But. but you've got this character. He has some sort of spiritual enlightenment in case, you know, we would say that he's the only one who has the faith right. and nobody else has it. Right. So this is another one of those situations where we have a figure that holds a piece, holds something valuable that's intangible. I mean, it's represented by the Bible, but what that film demonstrates so beautifully is that it's not the book itself. It's what's in the book. Mm, okay. That's, that's you know, because Gary Holdman's obsession is very physical and right. external. But then you have Mila Kunis's character and her mom and the different people of the village that, I, I don't remember any of their names, but when Mila Kunis is, when she spends time with him, she learns a different way of life. So it's actually her metaphysical journey. Like right. she's the one who's coming to understand that there is a way of life that's better than kind of this dystopia that Gary Oldman's character is is kind of trying to be like this messianic figure for. It seem, it almost seems like every movie is a metaphysical movie then. Because at some yeah. point, a character, the, the reason why we're watching these movies, it's and if a movie is anything that has any value, right. is that there is a change in understanding or... Like, something to be learned. Yeah. Right. And I and I think that's the whole point of this genre series is realizing that like kind of like what I talked about last time with romances, 
it's pretty much in everything. Right. And and it's the same with this as well. There are examples, like the examples we're given are really focused more on when is a film's primary purpose, the metaphysical journey, right? Um, that's That's what you're trying to wrestle with here because then when you understand a film's primary purpose, its primary goal, what it's aiming for, then all the other pieces can be viewed in light of that. Mm -hmm. The metaphysical journey, like for Book of Eli, there's a lot of action and there's a lot of, um, there's even a little bit of like soft sci-fi dystopia, you know, going on in there. But then it's like, okay, I'm going to view all that under this umbrella here. And how does that make me better understand these pieces more and how they they relate to, to everything. So what would be the metaphysical change or the challenge in the book of Eli? I think it's, again, it's kind of like Eli has something and it's something that can actually change lives. And you've got the, the one figure who wants that thing, but he wants to use that spiritual enlightenment to enslave people, right, to, control to control people, right? So whereas... Eli, he wants to get it somewhere to where it can, it, it seems like at first a selfish quest, but then once you get there and you realize, oh, they're trying to copy it. So that way, because it's, if it's the only versions in Braille, spoiler alert, then <laughs> what happens if you can actually mass produce it with words, right? Then it can actually go back out into the world and ignite a metaphysical journey for everybody else who's living mm. in this dystopia. So the metaphysical doesn't have to attach to a certain character. The theme no, of this right, movie yeah, good is point, good point. This is where I was getting yeah, confused with yeah, Eli, no. and this is where I'm thinking towards 2001. Oh, yeah, let, let's talk about 2001. Are we doing this right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good, goodness. good segue. Because oh. that's a that's in this fantasy sci-fi kind of realm, right? right? So yeah, let's go well, for it. Because 2001, there are no big name actors. There are no even good actors. Like 2001, <laughs> it's just awesome. This is one of the greatest movies like ever made. Really? Yeah. Mm. Um, wow. It's also. Oh yeah, this is like on every cinema top ten. Yeah. You're gonna see this film. Um, in terms of the art form, this is like the ultimate show. Don't tell movie. Mm -hmm. Like everything is shown and you experience Ooh. it rather than any kind of like direct telling you what's happening. And yeah. there's so much open for interpretation, but basically, essentially, the movie's about man. So yeah. it's not just any character in the movie, it's man's metaphysical journey. And essentially what it says is that, and I, I was looking this up, um, that consciousness is the last thing to evolve or the last thing to even come into being mm. during, the, during creation. Yeah. And so, and it, it evolves, consciousness evolves because the world is a threatening place. So it evolves to survival. Mm. So in the beginning, you have the apes and it's getting attacked by the leopard. Right. It's getting attacked by another ape. All of a sudden, consciousness comes in and they start to create tools. And mm. then they start to create weapons. And then it's just in a, a, a process of evolution. Right, right. And so... Then you have the greatest cut in the history of all of cinema <laughs> where he throws up the yep, tool. Yep, you yep, have yep, no idea what I'm talking yep, about because yep, you've yep. never seen it, but he uh, throws up the bone. This is this is ape. This is the beginning of man in, in the in the mm -hmm. beginning of the movie. Yeah. He throws the bone up in the air and it cuts to a spaceship in 19 or in, in, in 2001. 2001. Yeah. yeah. So cool. from the very first tool to spaceships, the, the movie the, jump cuts. 
Um, something that started on something that started. Yes, exactly. You you see the That's symbolism. Cool. Yeah. And so very beginning to the very far the ascent of consciousness. Of yeah. So really, the whole movie is man's evolution and what's the next evolution. So man is consistently evolving to a greater species. Okay. Or a greater art or a greater form. Yeah. It's heavily influenced by Nietzsche. And, Very much and his philosophy, and so there. There's a quote of his where he says that uh, what apes are to man, man will eventually be to Superman. Like it's just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie is really like, like an exhortation to mankind to continue to push upward, to continue to evolve and get stronger. Like what we've experienced is not the pinnacle of mankind. It's really just a big mm-hmm. parable of the Tower of Babel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to put it. It even ends with the baby in the sky. Mm -hmm. Like you're reaching the stars. Yeah. Man can get higher and higher and higher and reach for the stars. Um, And that's the the metaphysical journey. Um, However, I I have. Oh, here we go. Here we go. However. I wanted to contrast this with Groundhog's Day because (laughs) because man's journey really you can just take a little slice of Puxatani, Pennsylvania mm. and find man's journey and not yeah. this baby out in outer space. Right. So I, I was anticipating 2001, the, the conflict is external because the environment is harsh. Mm-hmm. The environment is threatening. But in Groundhog's Day, the conflict is internal because man is harsh. Mm. Bill Murray wow. is harsh. And everything around him is loving and friendly, and he hates it. Yeah. He can't stand it. Yeah. The guy comes in the hotel, and he's like, hey, great day today. And he's like repulsed. The woman (laughs) is just trying to get him coffee, and he's making fun of the weather when they start talking about the weather. Ned Ryerson comes in, just a friend from school, and wanted to sell him life insurance. And each step of the way, his hostility, it's an inner hostility, not the hostility that's projected outward like in 2001. Mm. And- Really, man's evolution is not in the sky. It's, it's right here. It's yeah. right here. That's a good... See, place. I never would have thought to put those two side by side like that. Yeah, I was thinking... I like that, though. I was thinking 2001, and then we watched Groundhog's Day, and I was just like, wow, this is like... If 2001 is all mind, Groundhog's Day is all heart. Yeah. 2001 yeah. is just... It's got everything but the heart. Yeah, I agree because 2001 is a very abstract film in a lot of ways. And so con- you brought up consciousness, which is that's a, that's obviously a metaphysical, you know, mm. idea there that we're talking about. And a lot of these types of metaphysical journeys you're going to see have to do with consciousness. But Groundhog Day is a very grounded take on that. And so <laughs> it's it's a yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even try to do that. It's almost like you know, with with something like two thousand one and Groundhog Day, they're almost there's almost something very um, parabolic about them. Mm-hmm. Like they're these parables. What does that mean? Like oh, okay. parables. Parable. You know, um, like what they're trying to to communicate there. Because mm-hmm. when I watch Groundhog Day, it's been a while, but when I watch it, I get this sense of like, how do we find meaning and live with meaning and intention in a very mundane, ordinary existence yeah so really he's learning until he learns how to love yeah and serve others he's miserable yes and so though he lives the same day over and over and he immediately goes to everything that he wants mm-hmm. he immediately goes yeah. to 
pure freedom manipulation he immediately goes to really despair well he's and and despair. don't forget also because he's living for himself and he has that moment in the middle of the film when he keeps doing this and he realizes like i am god that's that's actually part of the metaphysical journey is that belief that everything revolves around you mm -hmm. and then how do you break out of that? Mm -hmm. That's actually a common trope that you see in a lot of these. Um, there's some others I'm going to list in a moment, but um, these kind of parabolic metaphysical journeys, that's a stage in there because then once he starts to live for someone outside of himself, he's no longer the God of his own life. That's when he can actually step, grow. Step yeah. into yeah, grow, the next day. Yeah, exactly. Well, well the, the thing was... He, when he stopped pursuing the woman is when he started actually like breaking out. But the thing was that he wasn't necessarily pursuing her. He was pursuing himself yeah. in that. Yeah, absolutely. And once the identity that he had built for himself fell away and it just, it didn't necessarily, it just, it didn't exist. It didn't matter anymore. Right. Everything else, like he committed all of his time to knowing the patterns of everyone else. Mm-hmm in the village, who was falling, who was failing, who needed help to the point where he's like, oh, hold on, I got, I have errands. And she's like, errands? And he goes on his track. Yeah. But it was a very ecclesiastic journey because he, mm. everything under the sun, he enjoyed and he did. Yeah. And he yeah, that's tasted good. everything. And everything that you can taste and you can enjoy is in one town. It's all in one spot. Yeah. For everything he could have wanted done, he could have gotten drunk, whatever women he wanted. He it was funny though because the one that he wanted most he could not get. Right. And he could not uh he was not able to corrupt that desire, which yeah. is interesting. And then he tried to pursue it, couldn't get it, tried to kill himself many times, mm -hmm. and then it was I also like the question of if you can do anything, like no responsibility. Yeah. All control, no consequences. all knowledge, all wisdom. Mm -hmm. What do you do with it? Where do you go? And that shows who you are. Yeah. That, well, then, that's, that's, that's Bruce Almighty as well. Yeah. You, guys, you guys have mm -hmm. seen that one mm -hmm. with Jim Carrey. So what happens Quite when- a transition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what happens when you get to be God and you, you get these, all those things you just mentioned bestowed upon you? Yeah. I think that movie's really fascinating because it is primarily on the comedic spectrum- but it's there's something really dramatic about that journey too in the sense of i think one of the hardest things for us to learn as human beings is to realize how little control we really have and when i watch bruce almighty the reason why i really enjoy that film is because that is the the universal human struggle is that we want to be in control of not just our lives but things beyond our grasp and what happens when we realize that we can't have that? And you take the inverse of that with Bruce Almighty and Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. What happens if you do have that control? Would you actually be able to handle it? Mm -hmm. Or are your limitations as a human being going to prevent? You know, they obviously start off with selfish ways. And Bruce Almighty has a very similar journey to Bill Murray and Groundhog Day where mm -hmm. remember when, um, when Bruce... Uh, decides, okay, who, who am I going to help? 
And remember, and he starts like going around helping people and realizing that if he has these powers, he could actually go around and, and help people and, and do things to better people's lives, not just to better himself. So that's, that's meta, the, the metaphysical journey. And similarly with love, like he has the girl that he wants, but you can't force that. Mm -hmm. So you would say that's a, a metaphysical story told in a comedic way? Yeah, like it leans yeah. more towards the the comedic. These are very, what I call, these are very slice of life where they're just more grounded stories. Slice of life is a genre. So it's it's focusing more on everyday, ordinary people, events, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So like Bruce Almighty, Groundhog Day. I'm just thinking of 2001 and how this story tells, this is such a broad um, yeah, an incredibly vast scope. It, big, from big. The beginning of time to the future warp holes in space and the universe, and it still doesn't tell as good a story as Groundhog's Day, where it's the same day in the same small town over and over. Like the baby at the end is this big grand idea, mm -hmm. like that he has, and yet Bill Murray walking out of his house in the snow with his girlfriend <laughs> is the evolution of our inner being, like our, our, um, yeah. Of the heart. Yeah. Of desires. Yeah. Of, well, that's what's cool. Everything that it's, drives us. It's just amazing to me. That's what's cool about these metaphysical journeys is they can be depicted in so many different ways for people to, to un understand and to just to enjoy because 2001 has its place. Mm -hmm. Groundhog day has its place mm -hmm. also. Well, uh, one thing that I wanted to know, and it might carry through for others, but one that I've seen in a lot of these metaphysical journeys is that there usually is an old identity that is shattered. Yes. That is broken. Yes. Like, thank you. Like the identity that we've built up for ourselves that people have given us that we thought like shatters. Yeah. Bill Murray like completely shatters every, like every, he's realized how awful and really it seemed like he realized it before that even happened. He didn't mm -hmm. like himself. He said, I hate myself. Yeah. In that, and that, broke down because that was useless and he realized that was useless is getting him nowhere right. um prince of egypt mm -hmm. that identity that he thought was real completely shattered he's yeah. a baby in a basket he wasn't actually part of the family that he thought right so right. that breaks down and the shattering this, of the of yeah and then there's a nothing mm -hmm. there's a void and that something is rebuilt in place of that and absolutely that sets them on the journey of okay something was built up and then it was shattered pride desires that weren't as good as we thought there's an emptiness yeah and then that's all kind of gets calm and then right. something else rises up. well and that happens not just to individuals but it can happen to groups as well so there could be a metaphysical journey for a group mm. so have you guys seen pleasantville mm -hmm. no uh, haven't when it's black and white and it turns the color yeah with toby yeah. mcguire yeah, so that's that's a film. It's about Jason. It's about it's Tobey Maguire and uh, Reese Witherspoon, and they get trapped inside a black and white sitcom, like that's a television funny. sitcom. It's a great, great premise. So they get trapped in there, but the problem is they're from the modern world. They're from our time, so they bring in modern things into the black and white, and of course, it's all about like color is the primary way of telling that story. So every time they introduce something to that world that is not a part of it, color emerges in some way. Oh. And the idea, the, the thing that it wrestles with there is 
the black and white kind of 1950s sitcom world is very safe. It's very, it's pleasant, you know, but it's not very meaningful. It's just very thin and surface level-y. Mm -hmm. So when they introduce, so it's a lot of biblical imagery. I mean, there is a fall that happens of sorts, like a like in, in it, you know, and huh. but there's this idea that even though this makes things harder, the capacity for authenticity and meaning is greater because of it. So that's like the whole town goes on this metaphysical journey to the point where some are trying to hold on to the past and some are trying to push forward. And it's like that tension, right? Because that's what conservatism- Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm done. We need the that, we, need, like, we need shots. Still holding on. Let go. That that's the tension between conservatism and progressivism in a nutshell. And it's not that both are wrong. One is right and one is wrong. It's that how far does that push and pull go? And that's kind of what Pleasantville is trying to wrestle with. Whether it does it well or not is up to you. But that's that's what it's trying to do. So this is kind of like a side just question. Yeah. I'm curious. Didn't they do some sort of pleasant? I've never seen it, but something like that in WandaVision where they started putting color in. So WandaVision is very influenced by Pleasantville and the Truman Show. Okay. Very. I mean, the Truman like, Show I can definitely see, but I, I haven't seen Pleasantville. I no, remember there's a part where like color just that's 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 in. a Pleasantville that's thing. Yeah, that reminded me of yep. when you were talking. That's about exactly it. right. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the Truman Show. Joe Let's and I did an analysis, it. but what are, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I'm, I'm glad, you know, you, you watched that for the first time with us, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So now that you've had some time to sit with it, what did you think of it? Because that that is, in my opinion, that is like, when, I, when somebody asks, like, describe the metaphysical journey, that's probably the first example I'll point to. So what, what did you think of it? I feel like I want to watch it again, like, just trying to dig it up. Um, if you have thoughts, go. Well, I'd like to hear Derek's take on it first. So I spent an hour and a half basically talking about different ways you can interpret that film because there is a lot there, you know? And depending, this is an interesting example where your metaphysical journey is probably going to influence the way you see it. Mm -hmm. And I think there is two, overall there's I think two interpretations you can take of that film. I mean, there's lots of little in the, little ones in there, but I think there's two. So there's one that is a very Gnostic interpretation, which is in The Matrix, and there's other films that you can use for this as well, where it's basically the idea that all that you see around you is, all that's physical is de deceiving. And that what we really need to do is attain this higher gnosis, this higher knowledge, and when we attain that, that's when we get salvation. That's enlightenment there, so right? that is the initial feeling. I've, I've seen it once. Okay. Fairly recently. And that yeah. is the initial feeling. When he walks out the door at the end, he's saying, it feels like he's saying, I'm taking control of my life. Yeah. I'm breaking off of this. I have this understanding now. Right. So th th I'd like to hear the other. So that's the version that you saw when you first, that's, the first that's how you that interpret got, it, right? Yeah. So like if you're a Christian the Gnostic interpretation is obviously going to turn you off, right? Mm -hmm. um, because that's kind of the opposite. And, and what I mean by that is like, 
we see with the life of Jesus that that's a very human, tangible thing, you know, that it's the life of Christ is making divinity touch earth, heaven touching creation. And Gnosis, Gnostic is the opposite. It's we have to escape this corrupted, terrible flesh of being human, and we have to ascend to this kind of lofty spiritual. Fiji. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's the opposite. Here's and and again, um, there's you could there's I think there's validity for both interpretation, which is why I think it's a fantastic film. I see it because of my uh, Judeo-Christian worldview. I see it as escaping a Luciferian um, way of thinking. So Truman is basically in this world where he is the center of everything. Everything revolves around him. And there is a figure that is unseen that is allowing Truman to have this sort of life that seems good on the surface, seems like it's everything you could want, but really he's actually missing the depth of life um, that is harder, but at the same time, it's more genuine. Mm -hmm. So you have Sylvia who comes in and she's really the one that's trying to bring him out of that. Now the Gnostic interpretation would say Sylvia at, is like, you know, like a serpent trying to raise yeah, consciousness, all that. But then there's this other way where Sylvia is trying to almost like help liberate him from this spiritual oppression that he's under. And it's interesting because at the end, when Truman is going to make that decision, she's actually seen praying, crying out to God for him to leave that. And there's a lot of imagery, especially with the boat about, Truman that is very like, there is that identity thing you described, Jason, where it's a death that he's experiencing. And it's in that death, like a very identifying with Christ, you're, you're brought under it and you're raised out of the water to somebody new. And now when he faces Kristoff, he can, he's no longer deceived mm -hmm. after that baptism. Cool. So see how there's that, two that, different ways cool. you can interpret that? I think my initial reaction was Kristoff is obviously God, a movie that is clearly against how God is viewed and God right. is a controlling God, this eye in the sky. Right. And it's liberation. Let me get out of this story and, right. and walk out the door. Um, but I like that because it's he's no longer deceived living this life that is controlling him. Well, because Kristoff, remember, Kristoff, off Christ. So you could oh, either oh. interpret that. I was thinking like cool. Christ off. Yeah, you could interpret that as like, oh, he comes of Christ, like he comes mm -hmm. off that, or he is a Christ figure that is off in some way, mm -hmm. you know? Because um, I mean, like he says that line, I am the creator, pause, of a tell. So it's like the movie, I think is, that's what, I think it's the, a great juggling act because it really does not lean. And I think if this film came out nowadays, it would lean really hard in one or the other direction. So the Kristoff, if, if it's purposely made like that and the writers and the director that here, we're gonna give you this choice and, and the audience take it as you will, then the movie goes really higher on my list. Cause I well, cause I, I have tried really hard to understand Peter Weir and Andrew Nichols, like the people who wrote it. I cannot figure it out. 
by they don't their, tell you nothing neither. They they tell you some things, but any again, it all can lean to either one. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying to have this great metaphor about the superficiality of entertainment, right? And because it's a huge commentary on entertainment. Yeah. I think that's the thing that when you listen to them talk, that's really what they drive home with. I think the spiritual stuff, that whole metaphysical journey aspect of it, they you listen to them, it really can be interpreted either way. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. That's that's why I admire that film so much is That's cool. I you can you can go either way. And I don't really know where they personally stand on that. But yeah, Jason, Have any any it? thoughts? Yeah, I watched it with you guys, remember? Yeah, but any any oh. any thoughts that you oh. had on on it? Um, so like, I don't you've know. Seen it? Like, like what I was your it, take on it when of, you saw it? When I watched it, I just looked at it from not necessarily the big picture view, but one thing I got out of it was the illusion of freedom. Yeah, like you yes, have everything that's a huge you need, part of it. and there's everything you want. And it makes me think of the scripture Hebrews eleven. Um, for those who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking for seeking a homeland. Mm. If they hadn't been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. So that's, cool. that's Fiji. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yes. Cool. Like, yes. There's, there's everything you want. He's got the wife. He's got the house. He's got a good job. Everybody loves him. He's happy. Mm-hmm. And this is not enough. There's something that's missing. And there's a fulfillment that's not there. And he doesn't know why, but he it, he wants it to go. He wants mm-hmm. to go out. He wants to get it. And everyone's like, no, 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 you're fine. What? You got everything you can need. Fiji's the garden. Yeah. Fiji's mm-hmm. the garden that we want to get back to. He literally mm-hmm. walks up the steps into the sky and leaves. Um, that's cool. Yeah, but he's he's got everything, and he knows that that there's something different. And the woman that wasn't his wife, Sylvia, like that was that's like a physical, tangible. Yeah, she's the embodiment of, of that. Yeah, that's that's the wait a minute. There is something I can't explain this, and then you start to see where everything else is a lie, is not what you thought. The friends that you had that were saying this is good, it's not good. The wife that you had thing and saying, "Oh, this was good," but no, she's she's actually not for well, you. And you have and all these things break down. You have a force with Kristoff that mm-hmm. literally is feeding lines into people's ears, and like, yeah, and like manipulating stuff manipulate, around you to keep yeah. you in the dome. And right. you can say that that's that's Satan, that's the government, that's however trying to keep that's you. That's mass like, media. Go back yeah. to what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Just it's good. It's good for everyone. You are in our best intentions, and that's not it. It's I, it's for me. It's for the viewers. It's you're, you're a spectacle. Yeah, and that's what you are. And I want you to stay in control. Yes, but that's it's like Satan's like, TV show. Yeah, it's like TV from hell. <laughs> <laughs> like he's born into the dome. He's born into this like from birth he's trapped and then he's liberated and he's set free from it yeah after the death of this um the identity just a small thought i was like oh that's cool that's kind of i was thinking about that yeah if he was um ascending to something that was intangible 
that would lend a lot more credence to that more Gnostic view. But he's ascending to something tangible. Even though we don't see it, we know that when he walks out that door, he is confronted with this. And this is, and so that's the thing is like, in Gnosticism, it's the idea that this is not what's real. This is not what matters. But the whole movie is trying to get him there. Mm. It's trying to get him to what matters. Mm. Can you imagine like living life again after that? Like, how do you even interact with people? Like, how do you even like? It's it's. We assume that he. It's a gets tragedy. Out. It's a tragedy for yeah, sure. We assume that he gets out and everything's fine. He's no. got his new life, but. There's a whole nother struggle after that that we're not told we can only so, assume. Yeah. But he still gets to her, we we imagine. Yeah. But it's not over, but it's not our story to watch anymore. The, exactly. That's it's, why it turns we off. Don't, we don't need the, to watch it. Right. The metaphysical journey is not necessarily something that's confined to the events of that film. Mm -hmm. It's something that actually cool. the character will need for what comes after the events that we witness. Which is Groundhog Day. Same thing as Groundhog Day. Yeah. 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 Same thing. And exactly. It's not our story anymore. Exactly. Nope. Um, it's funny that you said Truman Show is a tragedy because it's such a, it's clearly so comedic. Mm -hmm. Well, it's that spectrum there, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's that spectrum. I would love to that book that you mentioned. Which book? The genre book. Oh, The Screenwriter's Taxonomy? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. By the way, this stuff about the metaphysical journey it's barely, barely in that book. A lot of this information I've gotten from other places. Um, Does it mention a metaphysical? It calls it the religious slash spiritual. So um, that that's what they refer to it as. But um, another, one more example I'll kind of give with this group here. Have you guys ever seen a film called Stranger Than Fiction? No. Yes, another one I'd have to rewatch, but the one with Will Ferrell and the voiceover is controlling yes. his life and then so, he breaks out. Yeah, so that huh. this is very much like the Truman yeah. Show, but in Sounds a like different it. way. It's funny. So yeah, so Will Ferrell keeps hearing these voices and he doesn't know what they are. I'm going to spoil it because you will know in the first 15 minutes of the film what the voices are. Okay. That's not really the spoilery thing. I may not. There's a lot of movies I got to watch. I might yeah. not make it to that so, one. So this one, let me tell you. So the voice that he's hearing is an author, and he learns that he is a character in her book mm -hmm. that has been brought to life. Is that the one where like he's going to die or something? Yeah, like so you maybe you have seen it. I've been told about it. Yeah, so... That's the thing. That's an interesting one because that bothered me when I first watched it, that moment where Dustin Hoffman's like, he's read the book and he's like, yeah, you have to die. And I'm just like, what is this movie? This is insane. And I'm like, what is it? And then you realize what it is. It's like, oh, he's dying to save somebody. So that's the, the metaphysical journey. And that's a that's a film that values the metaphys like the concept of the metaphysical journey, because the guy is basically saying like your story is not complete, your character arc is not fully developed until you learn to give yourself. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. and that's a hard idea too, right? Because if I'm in that situation. Because you would think with Will Ferrell's character, he's just going to try to find a way out of that situation. But what's really interesting about the film is that he faces that. 
he learns to courageously sacrifice. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Nick? That is awesome. I'm just sitting here thinking about Groundhog's Day and Stranger Than Fiction, the stories we're talking about. And your journey ends or your life doesn't even start until you learn to give yourself. Until you lose your life. Until you Those lose your life. Those who lose their life yeah. find it. Yeah. try to find their life will lose it. Yeah. That paradox. Yeah. No, that's good. It's awesome. I'm just sitting here. That's Sorry, sick. it's a podcast. I'm just sitting here in thought. It's just awesome. Yeah. A lot of these films are describing, these are like my favorite type of films. Like these and superhero films, these are like my We've favorite. We've done it. Well, we'll actually do it in a different way than how we did no. it. But well, I'll okay. explain later when we get there. Does it say but, that they're like, what's the most common story told? No. It just lists it, them? It just, I'll, I'll show you after this episode, I'll pull it up. I'll show you kind of how it breaks everything down. I wonder what the but, most common story is told. Well, I mean, genre. he says, he says everything is comedy and drama. So that's pr the primary thing. But he has 11 that he says are the most prominent. prominent and then those... From there. From there, down. everything else breaks down. Yeah. So I'll show you what those are. You know, another one I thought of, Nick, that might be good for us to talk about on here. I don't know if I would classify this as a purely metaphysical journey, but there's no doubt when you watch it that there is a metaphysical journey that's taking place. And that's everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> <laughs> that, that movie... Go ahead. What are you about to say about that movie? Nah, no, I can't I, say anything about this movie. I, I would love it. to hear your I thoughts no, no, on no. it. I just want to sit you back. first. You first, because you well, put everything into perspective, and then I can I can play off. Well, because so there is there is there is light. undoubtedly yes, and I would say that even though that movie, this is where I might break the rule a little bit for this one, because there is an external conflict, but the external conflict is a it is a metaphysical one. It is all about the multiverse and it's solved through metaphysical means there. Now, obviously as a film, it's very impressive on a technical yeah, level. Not without a doubt. But after my conversation with you, there were things about it that didn't sink in until after I had thought about the film more. Because this, a lot of these films we're describing, Bruce Almighty, Stranger Than Fiction, Groundhog Day, Truman Show, these are films about giving up something, right? They're very sacrificial, Christ archetype, Christ consciousness, whatever you want to call it, that it is about that. And that's arguably like a lot of superhero films will fall into that as well. Everything Everywhere at All at Once is weird to peg, because it is this more like I need to become anything and everything in order to solve the problem. And it is this weird like gratification of everything. Like I think about that scene where she's in the room and she gives everybody what they want. You know what part I'm talking no, about? I, no, I didn't know we were going to talk about this one. So I, I can't remember too much. It. But it's interesting you said that you can be everything, everywhere, all at once in every um, whatever reality rather than giving up something. Yeah, it almost seems one. the antithesis to these films we're talking about. Which is why I hated that film. <laughs> <laughs> hate, strong no, word. Yeah, no, I didn't hate it because it is still, like 2001 is demonic, but it's still an amazing film. That yeah. is a good film. There is a lot in there. Um, just as a craft, it's awesome. Yeah. But it was unpleasant to watch for me mm. personally. Yeah. But yeah, I can't. It, the end is. I can't remember what 
arc that the mom went through to finally figure out that she could love her daughter. I can't remember how it ended. Where it was basically just all you need is love, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that was a huge part of it. Her arc, there was the sense of, okay, I need to be here. I need to be in this reality and I need to be all into it here, you know, because it's her learning what she's capable of in all these other multiversal realities that is like, okay, maybe I am stronger than I thought I was. Maybe, I'm, you know, hmm. it's a very postmodern film. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where I, it's a postmodern metaphysical journey. Yeah. I remember all the trippy, weird. Well, I remember that too. And I rather have not have that in my brain. <laughs> That's the stuff that I remember in that film is the all the multiversal shenanigans and the editing. I do remember the editing. Editing's cool. Yeah. The uh, transition, the tree of life. Oh, it's yes. Like Let's talk about the tree of life. Of what you just said, because the tree of life is just like a purely meditative. It's like a visual prayer for two hours. Yes. That's how you experience that movie. So the tree of life is, is almost like this extended metaphor where you're watching the film and everything means something. Mm -hmm. it's, every, it's symbolic, right? So it's not literal, it's not told sequentially, it's all over the place. And it's literally like, okay, why this shot right now? And then it goes to this shot. It, you have to put on a different kind of storytelling brain like, like we just have to let go. You have to really yeah, let go. You just let go and you have, to, that's like the, the kind of movies that really like, I don't know, impress me, but I really enjoy when you are visually using the medium at such a high level yeah. where you are so immersed and then it comes over you and you're not the same after. So I take you it you like, that. so I take it you I like, do like your life. life. Yeah. It's not like, like high, like, like a DVD that I would buy and own forever, but sure. I do enjoy that movie. I think what, what really keeps me coming back to it is I like it as a meditation on dealing with suffering. Yeah, and grief. Yeah, and grief because the, so the, the film, this is not a film where a lot of things happen. So it's like basically a couple, there's a couple that loses their child, um, He's a soldier, right? And he dies in war. And, but the way that opening 15 minutes, it's, it's that it's job one. It's, oh, you, yeah, the, cause you've the got, creation story. Oh, no. No, no, before it gets to the creation story. So if you haven't heard of this movie, Tree of Life, check this out. So the first 15 minutes is basically job one in modern day, yeah. where you have this couple that has this tragedy. They go to church and everybody's using these very cliched words of comfort, mm. kind of like Job's three friends. And you've got these moments of just stillness, like where Jessica Chastain and Brad Pitt are just walking down a street in silence. Is Brad Pitt what, the star of the show? One of them. Yeah. One of them. Um, the wife. And they're just, there's just a lot of silence and stillness mm -hmm. as they're trying, you're trying to feel the weight of this tragedy and you're trying to feel them like go to places and be told we're so sorry for your loss and then see the, you know, so there's, I, I feel like I'm feeling like I'm, they're trying to get you to feel the, feel that what this grief is bringing upon them. And then it keeps flashing to their oldest son in modern day, 
because the movie takes place in the past, but then it keeps flashing to modern day where you have, um, so that there's the contrast between the family that grew up in this suburban Texas small town and the older son is in this very industrial, concrete, very hollow existence, very corporate, very ritual, like ritualistic, like it's very limiting and it, and it's kind of juxtaposing like this kind of searching for meaning mm -hmm. in our modern world. And then for 20 minutes, all that goes out the window and Terrence Malick just shows us the creation of the world from Genesis one. And it's amazing, yeah, it's really? amazing yeah. filmmaking. And it depicts just creation coming from nothing into being. Mm -hmm. And it's so, and it's just opera, it's opera, it's set yeah. to opera music. And it's just so moving seeing the, cause it takes its time. It's 20 minutes of watching raw materials come together to form life. And then that culminates in, you know, in living creatures and beings. And then you get propelled back to the story of the family, but it's like when their children are first, when they're first falling in love. So it's like Adam and Eve, then the children are being born. And then they play Cain and Abel through the brothers because it shows how this brotherly conflict and strife like comes about. And then it ends with them all on a beach, which is yeah. like yeah, really no. everything's symbolic. Mm -hmm. Everything is a symbol in that film. Nothing, there's hardly any dialogue. Mm -hmm. So and if there is, it's like like actual prayers and like a, a calling out to God, like wondering what's happening. Where are you? There's a sermon that's that a part nice. of it. Mm -hmm. I think every Christian should see that film. Yeah, I do too. Undoubtedly. The way it ties in creation, Job, Eternity, all that stuff is, is the beach eternity. Is that what happens at the end? That's how I interpret it. Yeah. People interpret it different ways. I interpret the ending with them all on the beach as, as the end, and it's really interesting because I I like how they have to like find themselves, you know, and and it plays off that idea because in Revelation it says there's no sea or I, there yeah. there was no more sea, no more so it's like okay. Why? Because I'm pretty sure, I think Terrence Malick is a Christian. But so it's like, okay, you see this vision of the afterlife and there's a sea there. Why? But it's interesting because he's using that because the idea of the sea symbolically in the ancient world is division. The sea is what divides people. And so now you have the sea and the beach is actually the meeting place of all people. So I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing. I see what, you know but you really have to put on your symbolic hat when you watch that film and not take anything literally, but it's a good one. Mm -hmm. a another film that you can, you have to do that with is life of Pi. The tiger in the boat. No, I haven't seen it. Really? No, I, I am it. shocked. I, I remember it. some of the best visual effects, best CGI. I've really? Ever with seen. the tiger I heard. I oh yeah. I remember it. I um, haven't seen it. I mean, the, the, it won the Oscar for best visual effects, but it also bankrupted that visual effects. That did it really? It did because kind of it was so demanding. I don't think they ever did another film again after that. It's still worth it. Um, <laughs> I think so. Tell the people so who work there. If you create something that good, it's still worth it. So Life of Pi, the premise of Life of Pi, I'm really curious what your thought of this. So it's about a boy 
who's trying to find, it is, the, it is a quintessential metaphysical journey because yeah. it's about a boy who's trying to find, figure out his place uh, in terms of his faith and religion and spirituality. So he grows up Hindu, but then he discovers Christianity and then he discovers Islam and he's trying to figure out where do I actually land? I was raised Hindu, but I find Christianity and Islam compelling um, in, because there's something in each of those that's missing. And so there's a journey, there's a, there's a catastrophe that happens uh, on a boat um, and basically he's stranded with just these animals. Um, there's like a tiger, there's a monkey, I think there's a hippo. So I don't remember the exact animals, but he's stranded because that's what his family does is they care for animals. But he's, stra he's stranded on a boat with these animals, right? And so I'm not going to give it away because I think that the ending is what makes the film, is what brings it all together. You don't know the ending, no, do you? No. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it. I think it. I'll watch this tonight. I'm not going to spoil it then. Um, but it is a film where the first watch is not the fun, is not going to be you're going to have to go rewatch it again after the first watch because everything represents something and there's even like an island and there's all this stuff that happens in the film and i mean it's a lot of it is very like there's a lot of biblical imagery there's a lot of just in general if you know spiritual in imagery just from different religions and whatnot you're you're going to recognize a lot of things but then you start to realize that the, the framing device is that he's older and he's telling the story to an atheist. And the guy, or I think he's agnostic. I don't know if he's atheist or agnostic, but basically the wager that he has is, I'm going to tell you a story that will make you believe in God. I'm not, oh, I want to talk nah, about the ending do so bad after, after you watch it. Um, we should have watched that before this. Yeah, that that would be that's a long one though. That's a that's like a two and a half hour movie, I think. But that's an interesting film to talk about because that explores life on different levels. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. Mm -hmm. About the ways that the physical and the metaphysical touch. Gotcha. That's it. I'm I'm not gonna say anything else on that movie except I Highly recommend it, even if you, whether whatever your worldview is, whether you agree or disagree with the final outcome, I think it's a really well done story. I guess the last category that we could kind of wrap with here that we haven't really talked about is the metaphysical journey in a more mainstream way or in a, in a way that could be presented through different means. So like what I love about the screenwriter's taxonomy with that book is that, and I've held this view for a long time. Animation is not a genre. Animation is a medium. Yeah. It's a way of telling a story in a genre. So the metaphysical journey um, in animation, because animation is limitless. So it, there's limitless potential of what you can show there. There's certain animated films that also depict a metaphysical journey. So back on our Why We Love Disney and Pixar episode, we talked a lot about Soul right? Which is one of my favorite films. Soul is a classic metaphysical journey there yeah. where it's, it's about somebody, even though it's not necessarily, again, the metaphysical journey doesn't necessarily have to be about God or someone's concept of God, but it could be about your relationship with life itself. And that's what soul is about. Mm -hmm. It's about you, 
the person dying and seeing their life in a different way and realizing how they want to live their life. So another Pixar film, again, that doesn't really, we didn't talk about this as much on the episode, which is why I want to bring it up now. Because if you want to hear our full thoughts on Soul, go check out that episode. Yep. But one that we talked about a little bit briefly on here, but also falls under this metaphysical journey in a way that you might not expect is Wally. We only talked about, I only talked about it briefly. That's weird. I think we talked about it a little bit, but oh. not in this metaphysical kind of way. Bit, yeah. so, so tell Jason, oh, enlighten us. Table. So, and this is something I was thinking of more. The more I think about this movie, the more I find in it. And I'm starting to try to find where this happens in other movies. So in some of these metaphysical movies, the main character is undergoing the metaphysical change or the journey. And some of them, which I can't remember so well book of eli but in the other ones the main character is on a single-minded quest yeah from a to b mm -hmm. and it forces either one people or other people around it onto the metaphysical exactly journey. yes so it's this one push from here to there wally is a junk robot that just wants to he's pursuing you're right eve is the robot that was sent to find life Right. And then restart the whole thing. Yes. So this movie is about pursuing the birth of life. Mm -hmm. The rebirth. Like the rebirth yeah. of life. Yeah. Which I just am finding that out now. Wow. Wow. So he's pursuing <laughs> this and he is like the most humble of all things. He is a trash robot. Mm -hmm. That's all he does is compact garbage and, and keep it. He's been doing it by himself and yet in the most mundane of things, he has found the joy of life more than right. like a million humans well, and robots. Well, they find the plant. They find something that's living, growing in what, everything that's dead. Right. And then their mission is to get that to those who have... Basically, it's, 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 it's escapism, right? So humanity has successfully left behind creation mm -hmm. and has basically become like a god and created their own type of existence. But but in that, they've really become just as much as the robots that serve yeah, them. of course. They're, they're all robots. And, and the robots Wally, have become human, yeah. Yeah, but Wally, he, it's not just the plant. He does mm -hmm. the mundane task, but outside of that, he finds the lighter, all the other stuff that he saves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. of it, course. And he wants community, he wants a relationship, he wants to dance. Right. He wants that spark of life. And in his quest just to please the robot girl that he met, he forces everybody off the path of autopilot, yes, which is the yes. main antagonist of the movie yep. is autopilot. Yeah. Autopilot brings death. It brings us away from life. Yeah. And that was what I found was the point of it. And the that's cool. The, the best part of that movie is when the captain stands up and like wrestles with autopilot and then turns it off and switches the manual and takes... Back takes control, takes back control, yeah. And turns them back to When you even have the humans, like you remember the two humans that fall out of yeah. their little pods and then they look at each other and then they like, I think they go swimming or something like that, yeah. right? I love Wally because it's about, and Soul has some overlap with this as well, about reestablishing our connections with one another mm -hmm. and not living in a virtual digital space. Any Anything that's like an escape from that, because that's the irony of a metaphysical journey in Wally, -E, is that everything in that world 
is is digital. It's it's mm-hmm. like they're talking to each other. It's basically FaceTime, you know? Yeah. And they're like just living this very comfortable existence. And the metaphysical journey actually brings them in closer relationship mm-hmm. with the physical, tangible world around them, which is ultimately represented when they go back to earth and decide to take responsibility mm-hmm. and try again, right? Yeah, and that's that's Wally putting his hands or his robot <laughs> fingers together and community yeah. together, uh, oneness with each other. And it's funny because... There's a veil that's torn away. Yeah. It's yeah. The 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 screen or whatever. There's a veil that's ripped right from in front of their face. That's mm-hmm. right in front of them that they don't realize. And there's a point where that's taken away from all of them, and they're like, "Huh? What? What? what, what what's going on? What? What happened?" And they're all like in confusion. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. I know it's just I just love that movie. It's interesting to bring up Wally in light of 2001 because Wally is very clearly influenced by 2001. Really? Yeah, so you have um the guy that's in charge. Well, you have the main quotes. Auto? But yeah. yeah. So that that concept comes from 2001. That's how. And there's actually you watch 2001, Jason. There's yeah. Yeah. but there's literally there I I believe last time I watched Wally, I started catching a couple Easter eggs where I was like, really? Oh, wait a minute. That's a how that's that's a reference, mm-hmm. you know? Which is why I I would argue that Wally is a more adult film over like Soul. Like it's a movie that like yeah. kids can enjoy. That's for adults. That's but for it is primarily like for I love that it's adults. his name is Joe. Oh, and soul. That is that is Joe. Yeah, it is. But yeah, the connection with 2001 is interesting because Wally takes a much more optimistic view at by the end that mm-hmm. oh, eventually we will recognize how far is too far, and we will be able to go back and rebuild. Mm-hmm. I don't think 2001 There's has to go back to. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just- yeah. 2001 is like, yeah, once it's we reach a, this point, we're it's done. A keep stepping forward. No, 2001 is a keep stepping forward. It's just where do we tower go into to the sky. Next? Where do we go to next? There's no, there's nothing to go back to. Hubris. Yeah. 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 Wow. So the no, tower. That's very cool while in 2001. I didn't see that. Yeah. There is something to come back to. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's going to be hard. Like, they, it's to the point where most of their bones have just like turned into mush. Mm-hmm. They just have a little bit, so walking is hard. But the further away you go, the harder it is. But it's not impossible. Like like you were saying, there's still hope. That's the big question with all of these metaphysical journeys. Is it worth it? Is it worth the journey? And we can ask that for our lives as well. Because if we want to go on a journey towards meaning, which is I think ultimately we're all on that journey, but then if we want to get to that journey towards meaning by pursuing that which is spiritual in nature, that which is not tangible. So when we talk about God, for example, that is a journey that is not going to be easy. That is a journey that is going to bring about a lot of doubt and a lot of trials and a lot of things that 
well, why bother? Why not just have a very comfortable life? It's gonna bring about death. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's ultimately gonna bring about that inner, that identity death that you talked Mm -hmm. about, where we die to things that we hold to. Soul literally does that. Yeah, literally. That he gets the life and it's empty, there's nothing. The, and yeah. that dies. The metaphysical, yeah. if you're pursuing the metaphysical, then the physical has to die. Yeah. But it's ironic because when the when that physical thing dies, it actually brings you into yeah. greater connection with the, with the physical and the metaphysical at the same time. How? How did yeah. This is the last film I have on my list here that does that. But we all know the story of Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. That's a classic archetypal metaphysical journey. Um, and I think Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is probably my favorite version of this. But even if you haven't seen that, the story of Pinocchio is someone who's brought into life, but they still, but that's not enough. It's not enough for them to just be here. They want to become real. They want to become, he wants to become a real boy. And his path towards becoming a real boy is, um, well, first there's things that you have to learn. That's why Geppetto sends him to school, right? There's things you just have to learn before you can become that. So that's why like with the Gnostic thing, going back to that, there's, there's a seed of truth in all that. There are things that we have to know, that we have to wake up to in order to, um, in order to become all that we're meant to be. that There's no denying that, right? Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about Pinocchio's story is that that's not enough because, of course, there is this temptation that Pinocchio caves in with, um, with him. He wants the approval of others. And so that's when he becomes a puppet to Stromboli, right? He becomes... Uh, somebody else's puppet to control. Once he breaks out of that, the next temptation he has to deal with is pleasure. Like, okay, I want to do things that make me feel like a man, right? So whether that's Pleasure Island in the Disney one or whether it's the training camp, the war training camp, right? In Guillermo del Toro's version. it's Yeah, the Pinocchio in there, it's set in um, late 1930s fascist Italy. Oh, I just remember the island where they're all smoking and stuff and they turn into donkeys. Yeah, no, they do do a very different version of that in Guillermo del Toro's, but same same idea, but different execution of it. Are there donkeys in this one? No. (sighs) No, Unwatchable, zero out of 10. No, but Pinocchio does get crucified. What? I think... (laughs) I think actually you did tell me this and I that yeah. was my same reaction. Well, in Pinocchio, it's it's that very much ridiculous. like the Jonah story. Jonah's one of my favorite metaphysical journeys even though he I he ironically he fails at his metaphysical journey so that we might succeed in ours, which is kind of the lesson of Jonah, right? But Pinocchio, you know, he descends into the depths, into the belly of the 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 beast of the whale, of the fish, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And when he's there, he goes to save his father. And that's a whole concept in the metaphysical journey is this atonement with the father. Um, so it's this atonement with that which is God of your life. And so, which that is over you in authority. So Pinocchio has that moment where his atonement is actually him sacrificing himself for 
his father on his for 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 him to live and that's when pinocchio becomes real mm -hmm. that's when he becomes a real human being so the path to death what you just described there right is when you undergo some sort of death that's when you truly come alive. That's the Christ story there in a nutshell. And that story goes in and seeps in to pretty much almost all of these metaphysical journeys. I think that's what they have in common. Now, remember, this is three people here who come from a Christian worldview. So if we had people on a different worldview here having this conversation, the metaphysical journey would look very different. So like a great film like The Tale of Princess Kaguya is not like a film that follows this, but there is a metaphysical journey that I think achieves the same result, but not through a Christian worldview. I would love to have a non-Christian or a Buddhist or Muslim, someone in, right. the, in the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So we could bounce that conversation back and forth. Yeah. That's an entire different narrative to, to learn from. Well, it, it's it's different, but I think, again, there's there's the over overlaps there, right? So, and okay. I think that's what this podcast we're really trying to figure out is what are those things that, again, read Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces. Read these books that really try to put all the pieces on the table and say, oh thing. my gosh, is there something here? And I think the common thread that we'll kind of wrap with here is that there is a metaphysical journey that we are all capable of going on. And right. as hard as it is to go undergo, it is worth it. Yeah, there's a desire to be real. There, yeah. The the common thread is there is a desire to be real. Yeah. And then however we go about that is yeah. where the conversation. Yeah. Mm. And for something just outside of ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We it's interesting, especially like when you watch like the Twilight Zone, which the Twilight Zone pretty much every episode is a metaphysical journey. But when you watch <laughs> I didn't even think of that. But when you watch the Twilight well, many of these films we've talked about are based on them too. But when you think about the Twilight Zone, it's interesting cuz Rod Serling, from what I understand, is not someone who attached himself to one particular religion or anything like that. But one of the things he understood is that if it's all about you, it's in vain. Mm -hmm. There's literally an episode where you have a character who dies and he gets everything he ever wanted mm -hmm. after he died. Have you seen this yeah, one? Yeah, and the guy and was then, like, I thought I was going... Are we gonna spoil it? No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, spoil it. He 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 dies and he goes to this place and this angel brings him to this like penthouse and he goes to the casino and he gets wins everything every he ever wanted. Game. He he gets every single girl. He can't lose in the casino and at first he's like loving it. He's like, this is great. Mm -hmm. And then he just wins. It's like Groundhog's Day. He just yeah. wins over and over and over and he's like, this is so boring. I don't want to win anymore. Mm -hmm. And he goes to the angel and the, he's like, he's like. You know, I, I thought I was going. Uh, what does he say? Like, well, he said heaven. like heaven's a little boring, yeah, right? Because he, he, he like, says he's in heaven. heaven. The, the angel said, "Who said anything about heaven?" <laughs> Who said like you? That. He said, "You're in the other place." Yeah. <laughs> oh, that the ending is so good, but I can't remember it perfectly. But yeah, that's exactly how it ends. And the Jeez. angel starts laughing, and then he's like in shock. Boom, credits. It's yeah, like, it's like it's like Groundhog Day, but there's the no opposite. escape. Yeah. Darker, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And you and you can't save anyone. It's just you. Even when you are enlightened in hell, you still can't get out. And you still suffer. Yeah. That is torture. Well, that's that the great. Well, that's the great divorce too. Because then, in the great divorce in C.S. Lewis's book, there, then the premise is 
what if we open the doors and let those who are in hell go to heaven? What would happen? That's a fascinating, because it's, that's, that's, it's not really about heaven and hell. It's really about human nature. And it's really, well, it's just about humanity in general. And it's really about how hell is, is you holding on to that which forbids you from growing in the metaphysical journey. Mm -hmm. Just came up with that off the cuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what the premise of that book is of, you know, that, that is what, what hell is. And I think that's what hell is in many of these stories because we've been talking about the characters that make it through the journey. What about the characters that don't? There's usually something that you're holding on to that They're you're tragedies. not willing to let go of. And that, that's the tragedies yeah. in these stories, right? And those have a place. We need those. We, we, we do need those, absolutely. It's, it's usually the character that tries to hang on to control. I'm thinking of Otto. I'm thinking of uh, Gary Oldman and Book of Eli. Book of Eli. Yeah, yeah. But we're talking about movies that the main character oh doesn't fails. make it. Yeah, oh, okay. like these are just the the sad, despairing stories that there is no happy ending. So there is no enlightenment. So the so the prequels of Star Wars, <laughs> where, where Anakin turns into Darth Vader. We have the opposite of the hero's journey. I can't think of a good one off the top of my head. Can you? Um, in, ter in terms of one where it's the main character, like it's just an out and out tragedy. This character, like I'm, I'm thinking of Shakespeare right now. Um, Macbeth. <laughs> Macbeth. Yeah, I mean Macbeth. Macbeth is obviously a good one. Which, have you seen the Denzel Macbeth? No. With the Coen Brothers made a no. The Coen, the Coen Brothers, Brothers made it made a Macbeth, oh. and it's Denzel Washington is Macbeth. Oh, I have to see that. Awesome. I I I've seen I the parts where one. I was at your house. Oh, we watched it. Okay, I see. I saw a couple of it with you and Jake were watching, yeah. and you kept repeating the lines. Oh, Denzel's awesome, man. Well, one I guess one that I could kind of think of. I guess one tragedy that I could kind of think of, even though it's like in the fantasy sci-fi realm, but metaphysical in a lot of ways is the original Frankenstein. So I've read the book. I'm thinking of the book. Okay. So you know in the book then he, he escapes that, and he like that Victor Frankenstein is trying to play God. He's mm -hmm. trying to create life, right? So that's the metaphysical journey there is he's trying to create life without dealing with his own it flaws. He has he yeah. has, he's um he doesn't reach that metaphysical Right. Well, it's ironic because he's trying to be God, but take all the shortcuts to get there. He's he's not. Well, a, who's the main character? Well, the, there's Victor Frankenstein, and then there's the monster. No, so in Frankenstein, is the main character arc the Doctor or the creation? It's both. It's dual. Mm -hmm. I would say because the whole journey of the monster is that he is trying to understand what it means to be human by observing human behavior. Because unlike what you see in like the old film, like the monsters actually becomes intelligent. Yeah, he's brilliant. Brilliant. Well, in, the, in the book, he is. Yeah, yeah. so you've read, I've read the book the, too. Yeah. Okay, great. So book. we can it's all- It's been a, a long time, but, but I really love that book. Doesn't Frank, Dr. Frankenstein, he dies on the boat, right? Before yes. the monster can get to him. And then the monster burns himself on a funeral pyre. No, I don't remember that. I, remember I don't remember that either. The monster is like, he escapes into the world. But I, I didn't think Dr. Frankenstein died. I, I thought the monster like 
is haunting him for all of. Well, because they're on the boat, right? Because yeah, and they're so they're, they're basically the they end up in like the Arctic or something like yeah. that, and it's like that pursuit where the monster's gonna pursue him no matter what. Yes, but the whole idea is that the monster represents the worst of what Victor Frankenstein is capable of. Mm. And that's what, that's the shadow that follows him wherever he goes because he tried to play God and now he's, he has to live with the God he's, the God he's pretended to be in the mm. life that the kind of the, the responsibility of doing that. Yeah. And it's some, obviously no human being can take that, you know, it will crush them. So that's one that ends tragically. But yeah, we'll probably, let's start to wrap it around here. So we've, we've given a lot of examples. If you want to see my thoughts or, or read more, um, just check out my letterbox link below. I'll create a list. Uh, Nick, Jason, any final thoughts on the metaphysical journey and why we love it? What that means for us as people? I know Hope. we've covered a lot. Yeah. Hope. The metaphysical journey leads to life. Yeah. It leads to... Um the thing that we're all searching for. There are stories that say that we can make it. Yeah. We'll overcome, but we can make it. And, and, we, and, and it's we'll, worth it. And we'll do so through an inward change, yeah. that that necessitates mm -hmm. that happening. It, it, it's kind of like it clarifies. It can be so confusing, and yet yeah. these stories can just clarify the journey of what we're going through, like Groundhog's Day. Mm-hmm. It can feel like we are in the same day over and over. Yeah. We're not loving. And then you can see when you hit it, then life will open up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hope. It's very hopeful. Pretty much, you know, everything Nick said and just looking at it, it permeates pretty much all movies. That's why tragedies hurt us so much because yeah. we all want there to be a win. We want yeah. in ourselves hope. And when that's denied, it's an awful feeling. You're like, wait, but I thought this was going to... Like when I was watching uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, mm -hmm. I'm, I was about to jumble it up. When yeah, that yeah, happened at the end, I got up out of my seat. Yeah, that was a tragedy. That's, yeah. that's the metaphysical journey cut short, denied. Mm. They never made it. I think that's, that's what a tragedy is, is the metaphysical journey didn't come to fruition. Um, and there's just disappointment and a void afterwards. But, yeah. Or oh, it's just death, but no resurrection. Death, no resurrection. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly mm -hmm. it. Um, he didn't make it to the homeland. But that's what I think it is, is everyone wants to know where they are and who they are and believe that they can get to that. Mm. And believe that it's possible. Yeah. But there's something else that they're yearning for. And that always resonates. Yeah. Sometimes so it's a house with balloons on it. House with Paradise balloons. Falls. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is your metaphysical journey? That is that is a question that you can ask. And how could, would you tell your life story through the genre of the metaphysical journey? We we do that as Christians. It's called our testimony, mm -hmm. right? That is a particular weaving together of events in your life and how they affected you so that you can communicate your metaphysical journey. Your testimony is not your story in total. It is that aspect of your story, um, which I think as we can all, as we've all shared about here, the metaphysical journey really lies at the heart mm -hmm. of great stories. 
And so whatever your metaphysical journey is that you're on, it should ultimately be bringing you to a place of meaning. And if it is not, then hop on that metaphysical journey and begin to pursue what is true and what is good, what is beautiful and what is real. It's cool to think that we live multiple genres. So we, yeah. all, we all have a metaphysical movie of course. In, our, in our lives, our salvation. We really story. do. And then we can, le- we can live a tragedy. We can live a comedy. We can live an action adventure. But everyone has, and we probably all have the genres, but everyone yeah. has. That's the argument I'm going to make. Is the metaphysical we all t- story. Yeah, we all will interplay with them at some point. So the next one, I'm actually doing the next one with Proverb. And so he's going to come on and we're going to introduce a series on external. So if this metaphysical is the internal, we're going to talk about the external problems and challenges and conflicts and stories. So Proverb and I are going to do an overview on action on the, we're going to, we're going to use that one first, talk about kind of like the action and the idea of the, the external journey. And then you guys are going to be back on with Joseph and we're going to do um, fantasy and science fiction. That's cool. Um, so those will be the ones over the next few months. So hope you guys will join us for those. Thank you so much for checking out All Things Narrative. Check us out on allthingsnarrative.com. Reach out for a free consultation if you want to connect with me more and to be able to talk about your life as a story and if there's anything that we can do for you. Jason, Nick, thank you again so much for being here. And we will have you guys back soon. And this is your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek, (laughs) signing off, as always, saying thank you. And until next time, take care.